Welcome to episode 25 of the Scout Trail Blazers podcast. And during this special episode, I get to talk with two great creators of a wonderful book called Little Guardians. The first is the writer, Ed Cho. How are you, Ed? I'm good. Thanks for having me. It's good to talk with you. And uh, just as important is the artist, Lee Sherolis. How are you doing, Lee? Hey, pretty good. It's good to talk with you guys. Uh, little Guardians has been under Scout for a little while, and there's some news along the Little Guardians front. Uh, who would like to talk about what's going on right now with Little Guardians? Uh, sure, I will. Uh, okay. We uh, have two trades out with Scout Comics that will get reprinted, repackaged under the All Ages Scoot label. So we're excited for that. We're actually going to put out just the first issue re-release with a new cover uh, that Lee has done and then do a trade a little bit after that in the uh, smaller young adult format of our first book and, uh, and our second book as well. Mm-hmm. Very good. So uh, well, why don't I start off with Lee? We'll start off with you about, the, uh, I'm interested in finding out where did this Little Guardians come from, and if you want to, we can focus on the art, because uh, you being the artist, uh, being a graphic designer and all those good things, uh, where did the art come from? I mean, as far as like the looks of the characters. Well, I don't know if there's like a really fast and easy answer to that. We usually start by talking about like how Ed and I decided to do a comic together uh, we used to get together weekly uh, playing all kinds of video games. It was like our weekly hangout. Um, obviously, we're both comic, longtime comic book fans, and I've been drawing comics since college, just kind of autobiographical, funny comic strips like that I was putting online. And uh, I met Ed through a local meetup group for like, well, like there. Were, I'm sorry, let me back up. First, there was an uh, lo- there was an article in the local newspaper that was talking about web comics, and so it listed a bunch of local creators. And I tried to get a bunch of them together so that we could all hang out and talk about comics and make comics together. And Ed started coming to those meetups, and that's how we met. Um, but we were friends first. We just got together to hang out and play video games a lot and talk about comics. And eventually, we started wanting to make comics together. Uh, and Ed, why don't you take from there? Uh, yeah, so we were making separate comics, uh, separately, and then we decided to kind of team up, uh, to do something and we're still getting together to hang out. And we found that the time we were hanging out, we weren't, uh, playing video games or games as much. We were talking more and more about this project. Uh, so I started writing scripts. We started working on a story together. And then I think the look of the characters, you know, if, if, if that's what you're kind of asking about, Lee had a lot of room to do what he wanted to do. So it wasn't like I'd said, you know, Tane needs to look this way or Subira needs to look that way. It was more, these are the characteristics of the character. You know, I, and that first script of the prologue, I described the orb. I described that he has some type of satchel. I described the spirit horse and, and spirit spears. Um, but then Lee really took, uh, the descriptions and kind of made it his own. I, I didn't describe what kind of hair he had or what his costume looked like <laughs> or how big his muscles were or anything like that. It was really up to him and I let him have free reign. So Lee, I don't know if you want to talk a little bit about like when you first kind of read the story, what initial thoughts you might've had about what the characters would, would look like and kind of move like. Uh, Cause I think we have four kind of main characters and they're all very different. 
You know, they're mm-hmm. all very different body types. Um, I know one cartoonist kind of saying is that your character should be recognizable from their silhouette. And I think that Lee, whether purposefully or not, has kind of done that uh, with these four characters. And my goal writing it was, you know, if I can create characters that could fill his imagination, I knew that he could run with that and not need direction on what they would look like. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like as Ed says, he, um, well, we, we had a few, like you said, we were spending more and more time talking about the story we wanted to write. So I was involved in a little bit of that world building and background and direction. We bounce ideas off each other, but then Ed really did take the script and run with it. Uh, once we decided to go ahead and pull the trigger and do this thing, um, I started sketching based on our earlier uh, discussions about story. Um, but when he really came to me with like the actual scripts, I was able to fully realize his characters. And I think the way I like to do it is really like reading the script and imagining how they would look like that's how you read a prose novel. And that's kind of how Ed uh, Ed's scripts really come to me. It's more it's more like reading a novel and less like, you know, panel one, panel two, page three, page four. Uh, we do it that way. Uh, we do it that way when we get together to lay out a page, like we'll read the script and feel about like, oh, this feels like a good page break. I can make about six panels here. And every like there's no like set number of panels. Every page can be a little different. Uh, we just did it by feel kind of intuition. Um, but like because he wrote in more of a prose style and Ed has uh, a lot of experience doing that. He's written a couple books himself. Uh, in the pro in actual prose, not not comics, he's very good at like describing emotion and giving these characters life through his words. So I kind of like just use that as inspiration. And the way he described Tane made me feel like I wanted him to be big and strong, but like also like very sensitive and uh, caring and like a, wanting to be a good father. Like there's like when you learn more about Tane's back his uh, backstory, you learn a lot more about what feeds that his, his current, the way he is like, and um, I don't know. I just kind of wanted a big, strong, but soft kind of character. So I bring like, you know, he's got the muscles, but I bring a lot of emotion to him. Soma was very dynamic and energetic and kind of strong and powerful. So she's quick. Uh, she's got her wolf. Uh, all of these characters are also kind of balanced by their uh, spirit animals. Like uh, we, you know, we were coming up with, uh, ideas for which character gets paired with which animal and Tane I think is a really good match with this horse he's very like dependable and strong and well has, has the endurance Soma's very quick and fierce I think so the wolf is a great match Item has got the boar uh, which is powerful but uncontrolled kind of wild and uh, bristly um, and then Subira's panther is she's got this like I don't know like Best way to describe the panther is, I guess, like mysterious, like and strong. Definitely um, can can bring the fangs when it needs to, but also, you know, a, a little bit aloof, a little detached, like because it's a cat, you know. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> Ed has some history with cats. I don't know if you'll talk to him about it, the comic he was doing before we got together. Uh, he'll tell you about that. Okay. You guys are so good. You hardly need me to, to ask any questions in here. Oh, yeah. doing this, so. Are you still here, Wayne? I- <laughs> <laughs> you don't need me. Very well. The one thing we should probably do at this point is talk about what the book is about, just to make sure that people know oh, sure. what we're talking about. Maybe, Ed, why don't you talk about what is Little Guardians about? What's the basic storyline that people should know? 
Uh, well, it's a it's a fun fantasy adventure all ages comic, uh, kind of similar to Bone or Avatar: The Last Airbender kind of vibe. Um, it's about uh, a guardian that has to protect his village, and he does that with these powers. And this this job of guardian, uh, which is to protect the village from monsters and demons that come to attack it, is passed down uh, father to son for generations. But Tain, the guardian in our story. Uh, his wife gives birth to a little girl, um, and since the guardian has to be a male, the doctor secretly switches it out and makes this boy the guardian in training while Subira grows up in a in, in the local item shop, kind of not knowing uh, that she was supposed to be guardian, and then her spirit animal kind of finds her and sends her down uh, the path kind of for her own destiny. I found that a really interesting story, I have to say. It's a little bit of a, of a modern sensibility in uh, what is something of a fantasy setting. You know, I, I have a big a love for strong female lead characters. Mm-hmm. And th- that was one of the things about this book that really leaped out at me was the uh, Subira, the, the, the girl who was supposed to be the guardian, but uh, because of her father's way of looking at things, that doesn't happen. And it's just such an interesting story. I, I, I mentioned to you guys before we started recording, I had a couple of small stories I wanted to get in there. And I, I, how I got to read this book, I think, is a, is a funny little story. I was at the Baltimore Comic Con, and we had a booth for Scout, and this was one of the books. And, you know, it's hard for me to read everything Scout does because there's a lot of wonderful books that scout puts out and this was one of the books i hadn't gotten to and friday i stood there and all these kids and and parents were coming up to me asking me what this book's about and i had to say gee i'm sorry i don't know and so i got so tired of saying that that i took the the display copy and i took it back to the hotel that night i think only the first uh, volume was out and i read it that night and then the rest of the weekend i sold that book like crazy because i was i could actually talk about this book. <laughs> Great. I, know, I know what this book is now i can talk with you about it and so many especially parents with young girls particularly loved the story and wanted to read it and we sold a bunch of little guardians that weekend i was hoping they all came around when the second volume came out because they a whole bunch of them bought the first so i was so happy about that i just think it's such a such a great little little book i i I just maybe ed while while we're on that subject talk to me about a female lead uh and that way because many times i ask writers and they tell me what just was natural that's the way it was you know, it just felt that way to do it. Was there a reason you put Sabira in the situation that she's in? Um, I mean, there wasn't a specific instance of this or that. I mean, I think uh, strong female characters was just something that I gravitated to for whatever reason. You know, I, I like to think that the entire cast has, is, is, is pretty strong. I think Subira's situation of having something that you're kind of destined to be kind of taken away is just fascinating to me the mistaken identity of it and then the events that follow and then i mean so much of her what happens to her in the early stages of the book where she gets this secretly switch which happens right away so i we didn't want that yeah that was not a spoiler don't worry that happens (laughs) well we did talk about we didn't want it to be like Oh, you find out at the end of the story that she's supposed to be the guardian. It was yeah. right from the get-go. You, you're, you're supposed to know that. Um, and just kind of what that means for her. 
but I also was very fascinated on the flip side, what that meant for this boy who grows up trying to be the guardian and causes more harm than good because it's really not something he's supposed to be doing. That part of the story was also interesting to me as well because to me, the, it's kind of like having two leads for the story. Yeah. Now, now let me tell you another quick story and then we'll get on to some other things that I'm, I'm, I'm interested in. I think I met you guys, I think it was in Indianapolis at a convention. Well, we we lived in like Indianapolis. <laughs> yeah, because that's where you guys are. I, yeah. We were there. I think I was there with Richard Rivera and we were selling Stabity Bunny. And when I get a chance to run around and talk to people, I'm always looking for people to interview and stuff like that. And I came to you guys. You guys had a table near the end of a row. I remember it being there. And I remember talking with you guys about it. And I was just so interested in, in the, the story and the other things to go. You probably don't remember me from Adam, but uh, I had actually, a good time. Actually, this is ringing some bells for me, actually. No, we. Really? Uh, I don't think it was Indianapolis. I think it was um, what's Cincinnati? the con in is that North Carolina. You mean like uh, Heroes? Heroes Con. Yeah, maybe it was Heroes. Yeah, I Could think it was Heroes that you were talk- that you're talking about. Yeah. I, I Anyway, I bumped into you guys before, and I was really – you know, I enjoyed talking with you guys. And I was so determined to get to talk with you about this book. It took a while, but I finally got to it. <laughs> <laughs> it's just such a great book. It's such an interesting thing. Thank now, you. let me uh, – uh, I want to ask you, Lee, a little bit about the style of the sure. artwork. It's – it's it's got a little fantasy to it. It's got a little cartooniness to it. Mm-hmm. Is that the style you prefer to do, or was that something that you chose for the story? Oh, that's definitely um, like the the way that I've just come to make digital art. Uh, it comes from a lot of different influences. I watch a lot of cartoons. I'm a huge animation fan, so I try very hard to make sure my characters are fluid and have good motion and. They carry them themselves well, like you can feel the weight. So like I follow a lot of animators and I get a lot of inspiration from them. I like uh, like guys like Anthony Holden. Uh, Holden, I don't know if you know, uh, he's a really amazing cartoonist and uh, he does a comic called uh, Precious Rascals about him and his family. But he also like works on a bunch of other animation projects and comic projects. Uh, he's a big influence. Uh, also, some comic guys are big influences on me because I've read a lot of comics. Uh, Ramon Perez, uh, one, he, he's uh, out of Canada. He's um, one of my all-time favorite comic artists. He uh, did a, a wonderful graphic novel called Tale of Sand and uh, used to do a comic called Cuckoo Burry, which is actually coming back, I think, after a few years. Uh, so I'm very, very excited to see more from Ramon. Like, I, I absolutely love his um, his style and like, there's a bunch more that I probably can't even bring to mind right now, but, um, but it's a kind of a, a my style is like an amalgam of cartoony animation, all the web comics I was reading in college and then like what the comics that I like. So like, yeah, I just kind of absorb styles all, all around me and then mash them all together. And, uh, that's what I do. Cool. Cool. Um, as far as the, See, now I ask this question, I always do. Uh, as far as like how the characters look, you didn't base them on real people. Those are the way that you wanted them to look, or they're, are they they're kind of right out of your head, or is how does that? How did you decide how they look? Um, Definitely, like what I was trying to describe earlier about uh, how I was inspired by Ed's script, uh, right. that, like um, informed the visual look of the characters. Like we had kind of talked about setting, we knew we wanted it to be fantasy and 
primitive, so like swords and magic and not a lot of technology. Um, even though like the way he writes it, I think it's a little bit more modern. So it's kind of, you can find some really good humor in the way that the characters talk like high fantasy, you know, Tolkien kind of speech, but they do like, but they're in that kind of world where it's just magic and spiritual powers and weapons, but not, you know, very low tech kind of medieval fantasy setting. Uh, but, they're, but they still make really funny jokes. Uh, and <laughs> yeah, I'm a huge fan of Ed's writing. If you can't tell, but, um, but the way he will describe a character and give them their voice, I just let my imagination shape what that voice looks like to me. Like, I don't know if you're, if you're uh, obviously as a podcaster yourself, maybe you get this. Um, when you listen to a podcast a lot, you kind of, and it, before you know what the hosts look like, you can kind of match up face to the voice. Yeah. And then when you look up what they look like, it's maybe very wrong. And you're like, oh my gosh. <laughs> Yeah, I had a funny experience. I was working someplace, and there was a, a soap opera that some of the the girls that worked in the office liked. And what they would do is they would they brought a radio that played the sound of that soap opera as if it was a radio channel. And so every day at one o'clock they played this. Um, people probably know which one it is by the fact that I identified by time. But they would listen to that every single day, and you know I listened to their voices. And one day I happened to be home. I wasn't feeling well. And I said, well, I'm going to see what these people look like. Boy, was it different than I thought. <laughs> I, thought right. oh, I, I thought these girl, the one girl was blonde and said she was black haired and dark eyes. And I thought she was blonde and blue eyed and all that stuff. And I told them the next day, I said, man, I didn't, I didn't have any idea how these characters looked. I was really surprised. <laughs> well, but you, but you, um, even though it wasn't to the, to the real people, your mind still like imagined these people based on their voice. Yeah. Like that's really how I drew the characters. Like Ed wrote them. I'm just like tame, big, strong, like, you know, the kids, I can kind of base that on their age based on Subira's kind of sunnier personality. I gave her this like blonde hair. She kind of has it tied up in big poofy ponytails like item i kind of wanted his hair to be a little bristly and wild like the boar that he's matched with like so there there are a couple other inspirations too but like also just the way he writes them to me like i don't know it's kind of chicken and egg it's like which came first the art or the writing and the, i think they came at the same time and influenced each other and we kind of ended up with this great result okay well see now you got i, I want to ask ed how did you come up with uh, who you thought the characters were i mean you know obviously the two of you together came up with this but did you have an idea as to how these characters i mean were they based on people you know the reason i always ask that question is i interviewed uh, david peterson from Mouseguard, and i mm. was i was convinced that the characters were designed on king arthur and the round table <laughs> and, and he told me no they're my friends and I went, oh, oh, they are? I said, yeah, I know my friends, and I know what they're going to do in all these circumstances. And so what I do is I base the different mice after my friends. And so it's easy to write them. I can write them, and I know what they're going to say because they're my friends. <laughs> I'm a huge Miles Card fan. I love that story, though. I had no idea. Yeah, that's yeah. interesting. That's why I always ask that, though, is because I'm yeah. fascinated to know where does – the inspiration, because like I said, I was certain it was the Knights of the Round Table, and when he said that, I was shocked. I was like, "Really?" I said, "I didn't understand that." So this is why I always ask this question, particularly of writers and stuff like that. Where did the concept come for these characters? I mean, some people, you know, artists sometimes draw characters that resemble actors. 
you know, and so I'm always curious mm-hmm. about that. Is is that an influence, or when you're writing the like, like take Sabira, is she is she based on someone? Because some people write them on, on their, their their relatives and write them off of their, you know, friends that they have. Or the, the one lady uh, in one of the books I was interviewing recently, uh, she was based on her, the, the the creator's wife. So I'm always looking as to what's the inspiration because I'm always think that's a, a curious thing. I mean, was there something, or are they just? It was just a product of you guys' imagination, Ed. You know, it's they're they're definitely not based on specific people that I know. Uh, I mean, this story has so many kind of uh, archetypes to work with. Uh, I will say a lot of the characters I come up with, though, and a lot of what drives their personality is actually based upon opposites. Uh, so you'll find like uh, Subira and Item are very opposing forces in this story, right? One is mm-hmm. supposed to be the guardian, uh, but is living this other life. One is supposed to be working at the item shop, but he's trying to handle these spirit powers. And then Tain and Soma are opposing forces, right? So you have uh, Tain, who's the current guardian, trying to train his son. Uh, so I made him very stoic. He's kind of a knight archetype. That's why he has a horse uh, versus Soma, who does not have a village, uh, but also has these powers. It kind of goes it, it's in, currently in the story is going village to village to try to fight this great evil. Um, so her characteristics mirror or I should say were opposite of what Tain is uh, while she can be like in the story. You kind of learn later how she used to be a bandit and she's good at tricking people and she can uh, talk to people and kind of convince them of something like how to get Subura out of town. While Tane is difficult to talk to and he's grumpy and he's brief and and short. Um, And then even when we introduced the bandits, I wanted uh, Luna, who's a similarly aged girl as Subira to be the exact opposite. So Subira is kind of bright-eyed and, and joyful while, while Luna is this snarky um, kind of difficult character uh, that's only really looking out for her. Um, so I, I find uh, I write in a lot of kind of op- opposing forces. Uh, I mean, that's how the nurse and the doctor are written in that prologue. Uh, the doctor <laughs> is kind of this insane like type character that's uh, kind of the absent-minded professor, if you will. And then Hazel Della, the nurse, is more the grounded one that uh, is kind of keeping the train going. But she's the nurse and he's the doctor. And I don't know. You can probably find that all throughout Little Guardians. Yeah. There's kind of a yin and a yang to a lot of the characters and their personalities. Cool. Now, I'm going to ask you a question that is probably a little deep for uh, some folks listen to the, the program. I'm always interested because I studied this in college some you know, and uh, environment versus genetics, because, you know, the way that this story is written, it looks like genetics to go way out in intellectual land is an important part because Subira is the daughter of the, of the, the, the guardian. And as such, she gets the genetic predisposition to be the guardian that comes after that. And it's not environment. You know, because it was environment, the the boy who ends up in her place would just pick it up and be able to go. And I I mean, I have sat and listened to people argue about this subject forever. And so I'm kind of I'm just interested. I don't know. uh, It sounds like the way that you base these characters on it's the, the genetic role 
that it's the the and particularly in this story is the most important one that Subira no matter how long she's going to work in that store, she's never going to be able to fit in there because her genetics are predisposed not to do that. Is that kind of how you approach this? Um, I mean, I would tell you that the story is not done. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> I mean, item, cause I think, you know, one could say we that got, we got to protect a few spoilers here. Yeah. Okay, so, okay. I mean, one could say that, item shouldn't even be able to summon anything if if if, if that's true like mm-hmm. kind of like with uh jedi and using the force you know like mm-hmm. uh, if you're not really going to be a jedi then you can't use the force uh so you know i i would say that the setup is certainly one that would tell you that the nature is more important i don't know that it, it'll it's definitive at, at this moment okay mm-hmm. i'd so, like to uh if i could elaborate on that just a little sure. bit mm-hmm. um like Ed was saying earlier, he likes to play with opposites. Uh, you will also learn that he is very adept at staying in the gray area as well. And uh, I think that just leads to a more interesting story because it's not going to be black and white, all one or all the other. Um, at least it, like if you've read up through volume two, then you'll, I think there's ample evidence to, to go that route too. It's like, like Ed just said, uh, item would be completely, useless but he's still he has a spirit animal and he's able to do some things he's just like trying very hard and so we're asking you to to think about like what is blocking him from succeeding in this role like is it does he believe that he can do it uh or does he just have fewer uh i don't know midichlorians you know like (laughs) (laughs) i don't know which is it you tell me well, I guess what's going to happen? Keep reading. Yeah. That's, that's the answer. Is keep reading because <laughs> we got to see how this, how, how you guys are going to tell the story, and that's the important part is to see how this goes on. So, my understanding is is that uh, these books will start to come out later in the year. Is that my? Is that correct? Um, I know the first issue uh, was going to be later in the year. I, I don't know if the trade will make it out this year. If it is, it'll definitely be the tail end of the year, if not early next year. Okay, very good. Now, as far as other projects, because I'm sure this keeps you guys going, but uh, <laughs> Final Comics people, there are other projects that you guys uh, are, are getting to as well. How about you, Lee? Are there other things that you're working on as well as Little Guardians? Uh, well, my story is a little bit more complicated as like, uh, and I'm sure this is a very common story with a lot of people. Uh, with the pandemic, I uh, had a recent change in career, which uh, kind of like, and also my wife did before that too. We had like a few years there where neither one of us was, uh, there was a time where we were both employed and we were both like, while well, one was looking for work, the other one kind of had to jump in there. So I had to go on hiatus from Little Guardians for a, little, a few years. Uh, I'm getting back into it, um, landed a solid job in a new career, uh, exploring doing more concept art and illustration for a living instead of graphic design. So that's pretty exciting for me. Like a com- like a comic artist at heart. Now I actually get to my day job is more illustration too. Um, but I mean, that keeps me plenty busy these days. Um, getting back into little guardians too. We have our, uh, our inker, uh, Dan Titcher, who, uh, has been a like wonderful collaborator on, um, you'll, you'll see, or sorry, I said inker. I meant colorist. Uh, but he's also doing uh, backgrounds and flats and coloring a lot more. Like, so we're kind of 
dividing up the uh, the artist roles a little bit differently going forward. But Dan, Dan, you'll recognize his work in uh, a bunch. I think the majority of the first trade, and then I he split colorist duties with me for the second trade. Uh, I did books. He uh, he did a few, and we had Jose on there for an issue. I think. Um, okay. Jose Vasquez is all we've worked with before he's wonderful work too um oh also then I, if i mention jose and dan i can't forget ginger ginger d who uh also was the she was the colorist on issue one um but also a close friend of mine and a uh, wonderful artist and graphic designer too okay um, but uh anyway what, what i was saying oh uh yeah pretty much just little guardians right now you know i, I keep doing art and um music uh, i don't know if you know ed and i are also in a band uh, a local all ages uh, kind of pop rock uh, animation inspired band. Like we sing about pop culture and uh, the cartoons and TV shows we love. And uh, I play bass, Ed plays guitar. And that band does, I mean, even through, I mean, it, obviously last year didn't happen a whole lot, but pretty much as much as we go to conventions for the comics, we're also going to conventions for the band because they go all, they go all the same conventions. Okay. <laughs> Uh, so we're like anything pop culture comics related the band also goes so gigs and writing albums and uh recording and so th- that's the other side project that's going on very good ed how about you uh yeah so lee mentioned the band uh that we both play in and uh we also last year we we debuted a it's a fiction podcast audio drama uh, oh that yeah I, that i wrote uh so it's if you like the writing of little guardians i have another project uh this one's a little more sci-fi it's uh i I, like futurama meets the terminator uh but it's an audio podcast so it's a podcast it's out there right now we have four episodes up it's called full cast city uh lee does some voices uh i do some voices pretty much everyone in the band uh it's mostly our band project so the shakeups uh provides most of the voice work uh, as well as the music so it's a it's like an audio drama but then there's musical. it's a musical as well. There's music in it. We got kind of sidetracked with the pandemic, but I think in the next year or so, we'll probably record some more uh, episodes and put those out. Uh, uh, and they're out on uh, like Apple Podcasts and Spotify, so you can check that out. Again, it's called Ignore City with uh, music by the Shakeups. Mm. And then the other thing I started doing in uh, pandemic times was I started to teach myself how to animate a little bit. Um, and it is hard. <laughs> I don't know mm-hmm. if you knew this, but animation is hard. Uh, so, uh, but I've started animating just little funny things. I mostly get my kids the voice ridiculous animals. Like uh, my kids are ten and six, so they are uh, a green monkey and this pink llama corn. And this one's all ages. It's just fun. I I, I put up a YouTube channel and something called uh, Newgrounds, which is just for animation. It's called Monkey and Llama Corn. They're just literally minute long, just little jokes being goofy uh, with very minimal uh, animation. That's kind of fun. Cool. Well, if we want to follow you guys, uh, Lee, is there somewhere on social media we can keep up with you? Uh, sure. I think the, the most active thing I have going on right now is my Instagram, which is just at Lee Shirolis. That's just my first name and last name. Mainly, you'll see pictures of me camping and pictures of my dogs. And then uh, also any art I'm working on, I usually post there. 
And then uh, I used to be a lot more active on Twitter. We have the Twitter for the comic and and Twitter for me. My Twitter handle is also at Lee Shoreless. I'm just I'm not on there as much as I usually am uh, on other social platforms, but uh, I do retweet a lot of good animation and comic stuff. And obviously, if anything new comes out from Little Guardians, I post it there. But Instagram's the one I use mainly these days. Great, great. Ed, how about you? Um, I have a Twitter handle at EdShow7000. And uh, not super active on it, but I do post occasionally there. And then uh, Little Guardians also has a Patreon. So if you want to see pages before we publish book three, you can see some of the in-process artwork as well as finished pages we're going to start putting on there. Great, great. Is, Is there a specific name on the Patreon? I think if you just search Little Guardians, it'll come up. Okay. All right. So that's good. All right. Do you guys know, because you've got two volumes out and uh, obviously working on the third. Do you know exactly how, like, how many volumes you have Volumes you have in mind for uh, Oh, yeah. I'll, I'll let Ed field this one. He knows exactly. <laughs> to be determined. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we don't have a specific number yet, so okay. it will be at least three. Well, that, he's, he's bearing the lead there a little bit. He has it all written, but how many books it'll be once it's all chopped up into uh, a trade paperback format. And I don't know, maybe some more editing happens, uh, but like uh, the first, at least the first big major story arc, which like one and two is the beginning of is fully written. It's, it sent me many scripts. <laughs> hmm. So stay tuned. There's, there's going to be plenty more to come. So that's good. Oh, definitely. Me. Well, you guys are doing a wonderful job. I think Little Guardians is going to be great fun. If you haven't had a chance to, to catch up with it, you're getting a second chance when it comes out under Scoot. So be sure to let your store know that you want to get these books because they're going to be a lot of fun. There's a lot of interesting, lots of humor. There's lots of adventure, lots of magic. All kinds of things I think will make a a young reader really enjoy this great story. So, Ed and Lee, just keep doing the wonderful things you're doing. I can't wait for people, more people, to get to read Little Guardians. Sounds great. Thank you so much for having us. Thanks, Wayne. 